0: Hello, and welcome to Rough Edges. I'm your host, Sarah Fox. In this podcast, I will guide you through my faith and mental health journey to dispel the stigma surrounding mental illness and to create a voice for those who wish to discover more about these topics. This podcast will not only shed light on mental health issues, but will also reveal the intersection between faith and mental illness. I pray that these themes will bring growth and healing to our communities. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Rough Edges. I am joined by special guest, Susan Johnson. Susan graduated from Drake University with a BA in Sociology. Since her diagnosis of bipolar 1 in 1995, Susan's true passion in life is to help break the stigma of living with a mental illness and bring hope to those living with one. Susan is the author of Some Dreams Are Worth Keeping, a memoir of my bipolar journey. She's an accomplished, inspirational speaker. She gave a TED Talk entitled having a mental illness is not a death sentence she is a guest blogger for a mental health magazine she received the award for best blogger for healthline.com in 2017 and appeared in the 2018 this is me article in bp hope magazine susan's writing also appears in the catholic exchange susan co-leads a mental health group at her church and currently works with special education students as an instructional assistant for a school district in Nevada. Susan is a member of an author community in Las Vegas. She enjoys hiking, baking, traveling, yoga, spending time with her goddaughter, and trips to the ocean. She loves the Golden Knights hockey team. Susan is originally from Thousand Oaks, California. She now makes her home in fabulous Las Vegas with her husband, Gary, and Siberian cat, Angel Ann. Visit her at www.sjohnsonauthor.com, and you can follow her on facebook.com slash Johnson books, or on Instagram at Books. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. Now, I'm Susan- so excited
1: to be here. Thank you.
0: Yes. Now, I'm happy to have you here. Now, I want you to tell me a little bit more about yourself. If you could go back in time to any time period, where would you go and why? Uh,
1: I, first of all, I want to say that I have bipolar disorder. And Do you know what bipolar disorder is? And then I'll answer your question.
0: Yes, I do. I actually have it myself. Okay. I have bipolar okay. 1.
1: Okay, very good. Very good. I'm also bipolar one, but I always like to start with what bipolar disorder is uh, since my memoir is about my bipolar disorder. Uh, So, if you don't know what bipolar disorder is, it's a chemical imbalance in the brain which causes euphoric highs known as manias and devastating lows to the point of suicide. In my life, I've been on quite a journey of ups and downs. And if I had time that I would want to go back to it would be my wedding day Mm. 15 years ago and at that time in my life it was definitely the happiest day of my life but all the years after until now have just been the the most stable and happiest of my life
0: yeah that's really good I'm glad you clarified that at the beginning
1: Yes, it's very important I've learned from doing some of these uh, podcasts uh, that people understand uh, what bipolar disorder is, because, uh, you know, obviously me and you do at this point, but so many other people don't know. So I think it's always good to, to explain it, you know, the, sh- the, the quick version.
0: Right. Okay. Um, and you kind of touched on this a little bit before, but can you tell me a little bit more about your experience with bipolar disorder?
1: Sure. The experience, I think I grew up with anxiety a little bit, separation anxiety from my mom, especially. She would go to work and leave me and dad wasn't as nice as mom was uh, when it came to taking care of me. Mm -hmm. And I had some anxiety in junior high as well. Uh, Things, you know, like I went to an all-girls school, was worried about tests taking at night, getting the locker opened. You probably don't even know what that you're probably too young, but they had a combination <laughs> lock and I would worry about that. I felt paranoid at that time, like the girls were talking about me in the library. And then it was a blessing. I ended up going to a wonderful high school and met a lot, a lot of friends. But at the end of high school I experienced depression for the first mm. time and my parents took me to my first psychologist and it was very helpful. All right, so mania. If you've never had a manic experience, then it's really hard to understand what mania feels like. Now, mania feels like if you've ever taken a drug, it feels higher than any high you could possibly be on. It is Like, God is in the same room with you and that you can communicate with Mm him. I found myself just doing all these crazy things that were completely out of my personality. I was dancing on tables. I was drinking margaritas with a friend um, on this cruise. My mind was racing a million miles a minute. I was journaling at 2 Mm a.m., listening to and I could solve all the world's problems. And it was just, I, I didn't recognize who I was when I looked in the mirror. I couldn't sleep at night. And then after the cruise, my mother's a nurse and my uncle has bipolar disorder. And since it is a genetic disease, she was able to recognize that that was bipolar disorder because my uncle has it and she's a nurse. So she knew that I needed help at that point so she and then when you have bipolar you know you think nothing's wrong why would i need to go to the doctor why would i need hospitalization and i had a big phobia of hospitals so uh it was definitely a god thing he was watching out for me and he provided us with a doctor who agreed to treat me from his office wow so agreed to go to to the doctor and to begin lithium and that's the beginning of of the bipolar journey and that was back in
0: 1995 wow um that that's actually a godsend the fact that you didn't have to you know be hospitalized because a lot of the times that could exacerbate the experience and you know cause a little bit more trauma so I'm, I'm glad that you got that worked out. And you're right. Mania is like a high. Like, it's just, you feel like you're on cloud nine and you feel like you can conquer the world. Like, in my own experience, I also had um, a manic episode last year and um, it was, it was just like my speech was very rapid. I was feeling just invincible and I was very productive also. Um <laughs> so yeah um it's it's just great that you describe mania and 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 just like how you described it like you feel like god is in the room with you and you feel like you commu- can communicate with him like i think that's like the pinnacle of what mania actually feels like um and so thank you for describing that
1: oh, absolutely
0: So you are an author. Congratulations, by the way. That is amazing. And you're the author of a memoir entitled Some Dreams Are Worth Keeping, a memoir of my bipolar journey, which is all about your experience with bipolar disorder. What inspired you to write this memoir? And what was that process like for you?
1: Well, it depends on who asks me. But since we're talking about faith, I really felt a call from the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to write this book, and I would be quiet, I would be at church, I would be at home, and I would hear like a little voice, and I was taking medicine, and I still do, but I would hear this voice, and it, you know, it would say, you know, write, write your story, mm-hmm. and, and you ignore the voice, because how terrifying is that,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: um, you know, but I finally uh, surrendered to it, and decided, you know what? I should write my healing journey. So I had to go about, I mean, how do you do that, right? Right. No experience. I have graduated uh, with my BA in sociology, but, you know, I was done. I wasn't going to do any more writing. I mean, who wants to do that? But (laughs) a how to write a memoir workshop at, I live in Las Vegas at a casino and I bought a book and I met a good friend and I started the journey and I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And then came the writing, um, actually doing it and it was really hard. Uh, so I looked for a, how to write a memoir workshop at our local community college. I was connected to a mentor friend. He was in his eighties and he encouraged me and he was definitely a, a blessing from God, um, encouraging me and it took six years um I used my medical records and journals to write the book
0: Mm. wow that is amazing um the fact that you were just able to like develop the tenacity to continue to write the book because honestly like once you're done with school like (laughs) Like, you're just done with school. Like, you don't want to even see another paper or have to write anything else. So um, that's just, I commend your bravery for even wanting to share your story. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it impacted a lot of lives already. So it's just very commendable that you obeyed the call of the Holy Spirit to write your book. And that is something that is very commendable and something that is very inspiring to many. So thank you for that. You're
1: welcome. You know, when you're obedient to God, things, doors open and life changes. It's pretty amazing. So you should always be obedient to what God is asking you to do.
0: Yes, I definitely agree. So what were the general responses that you got when you first released your memoir? And were there any that surprised you?
1: So it was hard because... My memoir came out and everybody loved the story, but I believe the wrong file was printed. So I had the sloppy copy oh. <laughs> out, of errors and it was a nightmare. You know, here is my beautiful story, but it was all messed up with misspelled words and words left out. And it, so I couldn't really bask in uh, in the excitement, 100% because of that setback, but it did get fixed. And I'm still very proud. And I think that it's helped more families than I thought. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a surprise for me, how many families that it's helping. is It's exciting and surprising to me.
0: That's awesome, and the fact that you're helping families, like, go through um, just somebody having a mental illness, um, it's just amazing, and it's a great testament to see, like, how your book is just changing lives, like, that's that's incredible to me, like, that's just amazing. So, you are a very talented speaker, and can you tell me a little bit about your speaking journey and how it has changed your life?
1: Yes, I was deathly as afraid of public speaking in 2015 when the book came out. So I was, it was suggested that I join Toastmasters International. Do you know what that is, Sarah?
0: Uh, no, I don't.
1: So Toastmasters International is, helps you with public speaking and leadership. Hmm. And the bipolar set off all the signs of for stage fright for me. And every time I would speak, like, my stomach would get messed up. I'd have to, like, make a beeline for the bathroom. I mean, I was so, I could see my legs, like, shaking. I'm always known as the girl uh, with the shaky legs. But I knew I had a story to share. So I began to practice every month. I had mentors that have worked with me. And I grew to love public speaking and I had a dream of doing a TEDx and I prayed and I prayed and nothing happened, nothing happens. And then a year ago, the, we have presidents of our speaking clubs of my jackpot speaker, our prior uh, president, Sarah Lawrence, brought TEDx here to Las Vegas mm-hmm. and I were opened And it was uh, a dream come true to be able to do a TEDx last year. Just had my birthday, a TEDx birthday weekend
0: yesterday. Ah. Wow. So you already touched on it a little, but you you did a TEDx talk, um, which is amazing. Um, And um, that... It's called Having a Mental Illness is Not a Death Sentence. So what was it like to give that talk? And how did you come up with the title?
1: Okay, so the talk was one of the hardest things that I've ever done because every word had to be memorized. And the talk is 15 minutes. And for me, having bipolar disorder, memorization does not come easily. Mm-hmm. so it took me 14 months Well, but the event was um, postponed two times due to COVID mm-hmm. so that gave me extra time to practice and it was it was so hard it set off anxiety it you know I was up at night worried about it it was I I just had such anxiety over it and being on the stage that day, everything came together. God answered all my prayers. Um, I nailed it on that stage uh, when I spoke. And I was really excited because I got the to sh- share my faith on yes. the big st- I mean, they didn't shut me down for talking about my faith in God and how he's restored me through the years. And I thought that was a wonderful thing.
0: Yes, that is that is very amazing. Um the fact that you got to share your faith with that wide variety of people and also the fact that you went past all of the anxiety and the stress that came with trying to, you know, get prepared for it, you still were able to nail it and move past like, you know, the anxiety of it all. So, I'm just I'm just in awe of you right now. Like it's just so incredible how you were able to just share your story on such a platform and so um how did you learn to overcome the challenges associated with your bipolar disorder
1: i think time i think i've learned three things and coping skills through the years that i blog about Um, like for example getting a lot of sleep at night that's so so important Having support from, I'm blessed to have it from my parents, from my husband of 15 years. And, you know, the friends in my life, that support is so important. I think faith, which is why I love doing podcasts like that, has anchored me and sustained me through the years. Um, What you eat, hobbies, uh, and for me, taking medication is a big, big Mm-hmm. secret to my for sure.
0: Yeah, so I I love how you speak about your faith because like for me faith has been a key pillar in how I manage my own mental illness and it's just like without my faith I am literally nothing. So it's just amazing to talk about how your faith has played a role in your healing journey. Can you tell me a little bit more about how your faith played a role in your healing journey?
1: Yeah, I think that I would have given up during the depressions if I didn't have my faith. I remember a time that I was in bed at my lowest moment and that my father actually came to me and said, Hey, Susie or Susan, how uh, what about God? where's your faith? Mm. You know, we're just going to give up. And, you know, it's moments like that. Um, I also have a a little box, give it to God, (laughs) that I like. And I write little things um, that keep me going when I'm having struggles. And it's amazing when I open the box, um, I see God answering prayers Mm. and solving things in my life. So I
0: think that that's really cool. Yeah, I love that. I love the box that you have, like, you know, give it to God, because it's just like, um, it's just a lot of things. A lot of the times we think that we can't give our problems to God and we can't run to God with our issues because we want to present ourselves as these perfect people, but the truth is that God wants our brokenness; He wants us to come to Him with our problems and the things that we've had um that have been bothering us for a while and so the fact that you are able to just be so open and honest about your faith is just amazing, and it's just very powerful to hear you just talk about the way that God has moved in your life. It's so inspiring, and so oh, thank you. Yeah. How do you find an adequate balance between growing in your faith and managing your mental illness?
1: I think spending time with God every day, carving out time for him by journaling. I have a, a special uh, devotional that I like where I look at Bible verses. I also pray with my husband. We're mm-hmm. Catholics, so we have the rosary, which is a meditation. Uh, that we pray every night together. And I think that helps us as we face the challenges in life. So those are are things that help me on my faith journey. I also go on a silent retreat once a year uh, with nuns in Pasadena. And Mm. those experiences have changed my life. Those retreats have changed my life. So those are the types of things that help me uh, deal with mental illness and spirituality.
0: I love that you mentioned the silent retreat because it's good to like just sit down in solitude and really just, you know, have that encounter with God. Because a lot of the times it's like we get inside of our own heads a lot and we kind of miss the areas where God is trying to speak to us or he's trying to work in our lives. So the fact that you go on the silent retreat is something that's very helpful and I bet it's been life-changing as well.
1: You know, it's like you'll hear be still and know I am God. Well, you have to stop and be silent to hear his voice, right? right. You're not gonna hear it through music and Facebook and social media, the news, because it's just too loud you know you to to hear the voice, you need to turn off everything
0: right, yeah, so you are just an inspiration, like talking to you has just been so awe inspiring, and so what advice do you have for those who struggle to overcome their own mental health issues?
1: I think asking for help uh, and realizing you're not alone and to remember no matter how dark and horrible life gets, to remember that there is always, always, always light at the end of the tunnel and to just hold on to your faith in the good times and the bad times and things will improve because I've seen it in my life for sure.
0: Yes, I definitely agree with that. Um, Just keeping the faith and just not giving up because, you know, it's just so easy sometimes, especially in the lowest moments, to just want to give up and throw in the towel and say that, you know, it's just not going to work out for me. But when you keep the faith, when you keep seeking God, and when you keep going to him about your issues, like that's just a big help and it's so important and vital to the Christian walk and so yeah thank you so much for sharing that and so as we close um this season is all about resilience and mental health advocacy so my final question would be Susan what does mental health advocacy mean to you
1: It means speaking out in every occasion, being open and honest, uh, doing podcasts like these, uh, getting involved in the community, educating people. That's what it means to me.
0: Nice. Thank you so much, Susan, for joining me today. And if you want to hear more or get more updates on Rough Edges, tune in next week for all new empowering episodes on Rough Edges. Thank you for listening to Rough Edges. Feel free to follow this podcast on Instagram at rough.edges.podcast or visit my blog at sarahifox.com. If you have any questions or further suggestions on how to make this podcast grow, you can email at rough.edges.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.